Who feels blessed this morning? Who's blessed? Got some hands up here, isn't that cool? And to be blessed, it's a word I think that we perhaps overuse a little bit in our Christian circles, don't we? Um, you know, I often would sign an email with blessings, Dave, and it's sort of, you know, a throwaway line. It's meant, but, you know, we, we say that and um, we, we talk about, oh, you know, bless you, all those things. But do we understand what that actually means? Do we understand what it means to be blessed? So blessed is translated from the Hebrew word is actually esha, which has the idea of happiness or contentment. And Esher comes really from the Hebrew word Asher, which incidentally means to be straight or right. So, you know, there's this sense of sometimes we don't think about being blessed as being straight or right. And what does it mean to be straight or right? You know, in an argument with somebody, you can say, yeah, well, I'm right, I'm straight, I'm right. Does that mean you're right? Maybe, maybe not. Um, what, what, what does it actually mean to be right? Blessed means to be supremely happy or fulfilled. And the Hebrew word is actually plural. It doesn't distinguish between the singular and the plural. It talks about blessings and blessing being the same thing. Like, so it, it's not something that's, that's singular. It's something that's increasing. It's plural. It's, it's expanding. And that's what it's talking about there. Listen to Psalm 1. This is the first psalm that we, we find in the, um, in the Bible. So I think, I think the first psalm is going to be significant because it sets a tone for the rest of psalms. And what did the Holy Spirit inspire the psalmist to start with? And the psalmist in Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. In other words, happy, content is the person who does not walk in step with the wicked or, or, or even straight or upright. In other words, not bent out of shape. And I'm not talking about you know, things that we might take into our systems that could cause us to be bent, but, but who's ever found themselves in a season in life of, of being bent out of shape? I mean, I've been there, you know, like, you know, you go through stuff and it's like, and, and you know, once you sort of had a clear picture of things, but our emotion and our experience causes us to be bent out of shape. And it's like we're, we're not where we were. We're not where we'd like to be. And, and there's something about us that's been twisted and, and bent in particular times. And it says, blessed is the man who does not walk with the wicked. In other words, he's, he's going to be straight. He's going to be blessed. He's going to be happy. He's going to be content. When it says man, it means men and women. It was just written in a different time. Or, and it goes on. Or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But those who delight in the law of the Lord meditate on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. So a tree is, in this sense I'm sure, is a, is a picture of something that is strong and stable and it's, it's like its roots go down, go down deep and it's going to be there for a long time. Um, a few weeks ago we were up at... Um, Mount Field, and um, 
took the took the kids for a walk up to Russell Falls, and it's obviously it's a very short, little, easy walk, basically on pavement. And but but you walk through the rainforest, and as you look up, the, there are probably some of the tallest trees that that we have uh, around these parts. That they are straight and they are tall, and they've obviously stood there for hundreds of years. And and obviously to 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 stay in that place, they've got to have roots that go down deep and actually support them. And they're not growing higgledy-piggledy like eucalypts sometimes do. They are uh, really straight and upright. And it talks about a life that is marked by strength and stability. Fruitful. The Bible commentator John Trapp wrote this. He says, there are no barren trees in God's orchard. And yet... There are fits of barrenness, as an apple tree sometimes have, but they will flourish with advantage. So what's he saying? He's saying, you know, when, when, when God calls you into his family and in his kingdom, he doesn't plant you to be barren. He doesn't plant you to not make a difference. He doesn't plant you not to bear fruit. But the, the commentator here is recognising that there are times that even a, even a good tree, because of environmental conditions and things like that, will go through seasons of barrenness, but, 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 but fruitfulness comes back. And in the kingdom, yeah, we're going to go through seasons, but fruitfulness will return, and it always returns. Listen to a, another psalm that runs really parallel with this one, and it's Psalm 92, uh, 11 to 14. It says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Is that, is that an inspiring picture? Especially if you're getting older. It's an inspiring picture, isn't it? They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Can we live fresh and green? Can we live fresh and green? Is that a little bit idealistic? I mean, for goodness sake, we've, we've had a crazy year. Is it, is it idealistic to think that we could just live fresh and green? Staying green and fresh, still bearing fruit as the years go on. Our lawn at home at the moment, and a, and a few years ago we put in some new lawn and, and I, I put a lot of effort into it and, and got it going pretty well and took great pride in it and then we got a dog. Uh, <laughs> And then he peed all over it everywhere, indiscriminately, didn't care. So then it gets all these little brown patches, which I sort of thought, oh, well, if you hose them a bit, they'll come right. But no, it kills it. Anyway, he's, um, I don't know, he's, the lawn and he are sort of adjusting a little bit and it's, it's, it's improving. And, and now at the moment, though, it is, it is very lush, it is very green, it is very fresh. But who knows as this season goes on, particularly here in Australia, as, as summer comes on, I'm going to actually have to put a fair bit of effort into that lawn if I want to keep it green and lush. It's actually going to need a, a fair bit of water, basically, to keep it green and lush. But what, why do I want to have a, why do I want to have a, a green lawn? 
so I can put it on Facebook and say, here's my law. I don't think I've done that, but you know, that. But, but you know, it's part of that, the, the, the way the garden situated, this green, lush lawn is, is sort of a, a, a thing that draws you into it. It's, it's fresh, it's green, it's inviting. You know, on a hot day, it feels like a cool place to be. There is something about a green, lush, fresh lawn. It, it talks about life. It's actually inspiring. It, it, it's got something about it. So how, how can we as people, how can we stay green and fresh? How can we not sort of get withered and brown and crusty? Are we got any crusties here this morning? No one's going to admit it. You know, the, the, the crusty... You know, at autumn, you get those crusty autumn leaves and you, you, you pick them up and, and, you know, they can be so dry that, you know, you fold them in half and then they, they, they break into all these little pieces. And, and sometimes almost like we can get like that. We, we become so dry and we become so crusty that somebody comes along and it's like says something to us and, and we shatter into all these little pieces and go everywhere. Staying fresh and green, is that possible? Can I really expect to flourish? Can I stay green and vital and full of life? Can I do that in 2020? Can I expect to remain full of life in the middle of uncertainty? Or I haven't got one of those personalities. In fact, I've just got a crusty personality. Anybody here got a crusty personality? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> but it's like, you know, sometimes people say, hey, come on, you know, just, just sort of get with it. And you go, no, I'm like that, you know. I've got a crusty personality. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about things more deeply than you. I'm not going to be happy about everything just for the sake of it. If you're going to impress me, you're going to do something really impressive. <laughs> I heard this um, during the week. I, I heard a, an interview on um, on ABC local radio. Maybe that says I'm old and crusty. <laughs> but, but but they were they were talking to one of the the, the young Australian nominations, and and he was a, a high school student, and 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 he he rallied people around global warming and. And a whole sort of thing, and, and the um, presenter asked him a very obvious question. You know, it's like, you know, why, why are your generation perhaps the, the, the most concerned um, about climate change? And you know, he, he gave the obvious answer. Well, we've got the most to lose. And I started to really think about that. And, and I'm not about to comment on climate change. I'm not about to tell you. What, what's right and what's wrong. But what I am going to say is that we as people, we as kingdom people who are filled with hope, are filled with life, are filled with vitality, actually need to be speaking hope, life and vitality into a world that is full of uncertainty and where we have a generation that don't know whether there is something to actually live for. 
And we can get uh, wound up about climate change. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But what I am saying is you should be more wound up about the fact that we have hope in Jesus Christ. And he is actually giving us something to live for. And he is taking us into the future. And he will never let you wither and die because his word says and his word is true. And he promises that. So can I live green and vital when I'm surrounded by hopelessness? Can I live green and vital when I'm surrounded by negativity? When I am surrounded by stuff that's going on at the moment? Listen to the word. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. The righteous, if you're at home, write this down. If you're here, write this down. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Not we will flourish if the economy's good. Not we will flourish if the US gets the right president. Not any of those sorts of things. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. When we're in right standing with God, we will flourish. We will grow straight and tall. We will bear fruit even in old age. We will stay fresh and green. So let's look at, I want to talk this morning in the bit of time that I have left, let's talk about living in the green zone. And it's not a political statement. You know, we have, we have actually taken, as we've come into this journey with this building and this project that's going on, and we said we are taking a green zone mentality to that. In other words, we're going to assume the lights are green until we find out they're red. And so often in life we live the other way around where we think the light's red and we're waiting for somebody to tell us it's green. But you know, my God says, you know what? You actually step forward and when you are in line with me, when you choose to live righteously, while you're on my path, I can actually bless you and I need you to keep walking. So let's look at how we can live in the green zone. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. If you want to live in the green zone, if you want to be content and happy in spite and despite circumstances, there are places that I feel we shouldn't, or you might make a decision that you won't walk, sit, or stand in certain places. You won't walk, sit, or stand in certain places. And I'm not talking about literal things so much, although that is part of it. So number one, green zone people choose where they stand, walk or sit. Green zone people choose where they stand, walk or sit. And I think these words could be talking about thinking, behaving and belonging. Thinking behaving and belonging. See, stand, where it talks about where you stand, that's all about alignment. That, that's, that's all about, uh, well, you see, when you stand, hopefully, you, know, you, you stand up relatively straight. You, you actually, you, 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 you've, you stand, you align yourself. And I think where we stand is what we choose to align ourselves with. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
You see, who and what we align with is ultimately determined by our thinking. What we take in has an impact on our thinking. If, if, we, are, if we are just constantly reading and, and mulling through negativity, you know, um, the media, mainstream, it's full of it, where, where there's all this stuff going on at the moment. If, if that is the, I'm not saying you shouldn't understand it or know it or, or get your head around it, but if that is the main source that you have, well, that's going to slew your thinking and that's going to impact where you stand. It's going to impact your alignment and you'll find yourself leaning one way perhaps more than you did before because your thinking change and that affects your alignment. Walking, I think, is about behaving. The way we speak, the way we react, the way we interact, the conversations we have, where we're standing sometimes... is more about the conversations that we choose not to have and I think walking is about the conversations that we are having. Often where you stand, where you align yourself can be about the conversations that you don't have. Who's had a conversation they wish they didn't have this week? I have. Is it a conversation you think, well, I, I actually should have, I should have pulled out of that one or I should have changed it or I should have said, no, we're not going to talk about this at the moment because it didn't have a good impact on me or a good impact on, on the other person. And it, and it goes on. We've actually got to make those choices. You know, it, with what I believe God has for us and we have got, we've got uh, our, our vision launch coming up really soon. We're actually not, not doing it um, at the start of next year like we've done. We're actually doing it in this year. So we're ready and we're looking for the, for the next 10 years. But, you know, as, we, as we, we lift the lid and we think bigger and we look further, I think one of the things that we've got to do as kingdom people to be ready for that is we've got to create an atmosphere where there are conversations we don't have. There, there, are, there, there is negativity, there is gossip, there is stuff that we choose not to entertain. It doesn't mean you don't address issues. It doesn't mean you sweep things under the carpet. It just means that there are times you just don't talk about stuff. Are we part of life-giving conversations? Who's, who's had a life-giving conversation this week? Yeah, come on. Where, where, you, know, where, 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 you know, you had a conversation with someone you thought, no, that didn't actually take away from me. That gave, that brought life to me. Yeah. I've shared this a, a number of times before, but I read a book years ago. Maybe it's the one book I've ever read, but I read a book years ago. And, 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 it, was, and, and it, was, it was all about, it was called, it was a really corny name, and, I don't, and it was called Restoring Your Spiritual Passion. But it was written by a, um, a famous Christian author called um, Gordon MacDonald. And he was just talking about, you know, the, not even when you're trying to make good choices or bad choices, but just the stuff that's around you. And, and he, he went through and he categorised all the different sorts of people we have in our world. And the one that sticks with me, you know, he talked about VIPs, very important people, people that are, are, are important to us, those people that bring life. When you, when you meet them, you have a conversation with them, it's a life-giving conversation and, and, and it takes you forward. And then he talked about VDPs. 
that VDP is a very draining person. You know, after you had, and some people are in that place. I'm not being critical of that, but but you know, after you've had that conversation, it's like, oh, I've had the life drained out of me. Like it's like I had a leech on me. And, and sometimes it's because you know, there's a person that needs encouraging or they need ministering to and you're giving out. But sometimes it's just because that conversation is full of negativity and it doesn't contain life and it actually drains you of vitality because you actually find yourself in a conversation that you shouldn't have been in. And we've actually got to... I'm not saying we don't... We cut people off or or we do any of these things, but we've got to understand that we've got to seek out life-giving conversations. The the New King James Version, when it when it talks about this, it talks about you know the counsel of of the wicked um, or, or, or the counsel of the ungodly. Is is godly counsel something that we consider? Where where do we get our counsel? Where do we where do we get advice? Do we, do we hear theories and problems and all sorts of things about, about stuff? And then, then we've actually got to say, well, is that, is that godly advice? Where, where is it actually coming from? Some, I think in this world at the moment where there is so much going on, and, and, and I think we're actually coming to a time where there is, there is a lot of divide and, and, and there, there is all sorts of stuff going on behind things that you know, drive particular agendas and sometimes something that sounds good and we've got to say when, when advice comes or counsel comes, we've got to say where does that come from? Is that godly or is it just good? You see, when it's godly, it's life-giving. When it's just good, it might be okay or it might actually be coming from somewhere that is not good. Sitting is about belonging. You know, when you, when you, when you get home and you, you know, you don't just stand around your house mostly. You do a bit. Um, we've, we've got a, a new kitchen. We've got a, a nice big long bench and there's plenty of room to stand around. That's good. And you can sort of, you know, lean on the bench. But, but when, you're, when you're really chilled, you know, you actually, you sit, don't you? You sit. You take your shoes off, put your feet up on the couch, you lie down. I used to do a lot more of that than I do now. It's be, be why, why can you sit? You feel comfortable because you belong. Yeah. And it says sitting in the seat of mockers. Sitting in the seat of mockers. In other words, put it this way, hanging with the cynical. Some of the most cynical people I know are some of the most funny people I know. You notice that? <laughs> Cynical, funny, and it's drawing conversation. You know, you're you're running somebody down. You 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 know, you're being cynical about the prime minister or about this or about that, and 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 it's funny, and everybody feels engaged, and everybody sort of feels in this egalitarian place because we're being cynical and we're pulling everything down, and it validates us in the moment, and it has this levelling effect in the moment. But what does it do? It celebrates mediocrity and it despises values and achievement. Wow, that's great. And I think sometimes we just, we've got to decide that we are making a call between, you know, being funny and cynical and actually just having a, having a, a spirit that is actually, you know, finding an excuse to pour out stuff that is not good. 
belongings, about your tribe, your association. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. Not going to ask any any hands this morning. I've, I've perhaps perhaps gone and pushed a little bit harder on this than I expected to. But I really believe this is a critical time for many of us. And there'll be some of you saying, I've been, I've been planted in a house. In other words, I've been part of a local church. I've been, I've been part of where I think God wants me. And, and, and I, don't, I don't feel like I'm flourishing to the degree that I expect I should. I think we've actually got to take it a step further than just calling planted, being, you know, turning up and being around our tribe. Planted actually means invested. Planted means that you actually, you, you know, a tree, when, when you plant a tree in your garden, we've got some, Alex had this great idea of planting some um, some citrus trees in a particular place in our garden. Anyway, they're not doing that well. And there's, you know, they've had, they've had some of our little hopping, furry, friendly, lovely wildlife come and get involved with them. And, and I, I think there's another tree there that blocks the sun. But you see, ideally, that, that tree, if that tree, if that tree could walk, pick itself up... <laughs> and plant itself somewhere else, maybe in somebody else's garden where it gets better care and they're nicer. It may do better. But it can't. Because <laughs> we planted it. And it's there, it's, it's, it's there in season and out of season and it's actually up to us, Alex and I, as its wonderful, loving carers, to, to do something about that environment and, and, and get that tree in a position where it can thrive. But probably if we moved it somewhere else, it would potentially die anyway because of the move and it wouldn't necessarily be good for it. And I think what we're going to understand, when we choose to be planted... You know, there will be times, there will be seasons, there'll be days of sun, there'll be days of rain, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be times where it feels good, there'll be times where it's exciting, there'll be times where it feels hard. But, but you know, when, when, the, when there is a planting, you know, th- those trees are there, those trees I talked about in the, it, it, as I walked up to Russell Falls, you know, they, they've, they've survived bushfires, they've survived all sorts of, of incredible things because they've actually been planted in that and, and now, all those years later, they, they are tall and they're straight and they're impressive. You see, when there's a choice that, that we are, we're actually planted 
you know, beyond the, the immediate season, you know, good times and bad times. And, and, and then I think beyond planting, we're, we're, when we're planted, you see, we're not, we're not wobbling around everywhere and wanting this and wanting that. And, and we can actually be part of the solution. We can be part of giving life. We can be part of giving life to those that are in our tribe and, and those that are around us. You see, as trees are planted, those big trees, they, they grow up tall and, and their branches go out and they create a canopy and, and all these, you know, that's the, the Australian rainforest is amazing like that. You know, you get these big, tall trees and underneath them is, is all these other, you know, ferns and, and smaller trees and they create this lush environment and it all attracts water and it gets more rain and it's damp and it's lush and the whole thing thrives and, and, and it sees off bushfires, it sees off floods, it, it, it sees off drought. It's an amazing thing because the big trees are planted. The big trees are not going anywhere. They are there for the good season and the bad season and they create an atmosphere where those underneath can flourish. You know, our, our church is blessed because we've had big trees. You know, we've had people that have been planted in season, out of season, good times and bad times and, and, and they're creating an atmosphere where, where, where others can grow. I think we're being called to a time where, 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 where God actually wants to see lush, fresh, green trees that actually, I, I see it actually moving across, you know, our city and regions where, where because we are planted, we're sure about things, we continue to speak hope, we we continue to see future, we continue to see promise, we continue to be prophetic and that creates an atmosphere where others come in and flourish. Those that are not even planted in our house, those that don't even believe in the goodness of God will flourish because we choose to be planted and we choose to grow up straight and we choose to have a canopy that enables cities and suburbs to actually flourish. My iPad has gone flat. That's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> the kids have set me up again. They've actually downloaded so many games on my phone that the pages, one of my go-to apps, isn't there anymore. It's all right, I've got a plan B here. <laughs> yeah. Psalm one. It's all right. I can get my notes. There it is. There it is. Can you read it? Can you read it? <laughs> Do you want to give me my glasses? They're in my pocket. <laughs> Fresh and green, even in old age. <laughs> it's probably gone to you. <laughs> but those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. Green zone people, number two, they embrace the word. It says actually delight in the Word. It doesn't say that, oh, I, I read the Word of God out of obligation or I read it just because I should. It's like, oh, I delight in the Lord. I mean, I delight in the Word. I delight in having it. 
And, and see, the word is actually food, it's life, it replenishes, it inspires, it heals, it guides, it balances. And the, the Hebrew word where it talks about the law is Torah. And a lot of you have been around Christian circles would understand that. But it's actually better understood as teaching or instruction. And you see, our, in, our, in our English understanding of the law, we think about bodies of legislation, we think about a collection of, of judicial decisions, which is, is law, but we don't think about it so much as, as teaching and correcting. You see, that's what it said, those who delight in the, the law or the word of God, it's not just a legal thing, it's a life-giving thing. And if you want to read the Word of God as a legal document, you know, you, you will understand certain things. But if you want to really understand it, you've actually got to read it and expect it to be a life-giving document. Because the Word of God is alive, the Holy Spirit works as we read, and the Word of God has this amazing supernatural thing about it where it is actually relevant in all circumstances, in all situations, because the Holy Spirit brings it to life. The Lord's instruction is not a burden, but it's a delight to those that trust in him. First Corinthians 5.13 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And um, you might think, yeah, I can handle it. I can handle being around that sort of environment or those sort of people. I remember having that debate and argument with my parents when I was a teenager. Most teenagers do. But what do most parents know that teenagers don't know? (laughs) They know the way the flow normally goes, don't they? <laughs> they know that if you're gonna if you're gonna hang around with with ten people that have a particular influence, that you've got to be incredibly strong to actually not have that influence or impact you. That's just common sense. We all know that. But as teenagers, we uh, find it hard to accept and understand. That's because we're teenagers. It's cool. But, but do we do we apply that? Do we apply that to the rest of our lives? You know what 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 are the influences that are around us? What are and and I think the problem is we, we so often we replace we actually replace the word. You know the the love and the delight of the word of God. We replace it with other things, even even replacing it with good Christian books and all sorts of stuff like that. And we're we're often getting we're getting opinions and we're not getting the word. And, and you know, there's so much of that about. We, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You need to be able to read those things and flesh through stuff and and, and get stuff. But it, but if that if that is all you're getting and you're not getting the word, well then you're not getting life. You're not getting that life-giving substance that actually comes to you. There are times we need to perhaps understand what it what it is to to live in a less than favourable environment. I mean, many of you might be in workplaces and you think, that workplace is not life-giving. You know, the, it's a hard place. I've got attitudes, I've got this, I've got that around me. And it's, and it's like, oh, okay, 
I'm not saying give up your job because you're probably called to that place. You're probably meant to be there. But, you know, we've actually got to understand that if we're there and we're in a place or a position that is actually taking life away from us, it's adding thinking and stuff that actually takes us down a particular line, well, we've actually got to find a way of balancing that up and getting another input that actually strengthens us to be in that place. I've seen so many Christians say, yeah, yeah, God called me to be here or to do this or, or to be in that place. And after a while, it's like, oh, we, we, we've burnt out or we've done or, or it hasn't worked anymore. And, and it's like, well, we've actually got to make sure that if we're called to those things, we're also putting the balance in our life so we're getting the right input to sustain us in that place. last thing I want to say is green zone people don't just delight or embrace the word. It says meditate on the word. Green zone people ruminate on the word. Who uses that word ruminate? Should be used more, shouldn't it? Ruminate. Green zone people ruminate on the word. The Lord's instruction is not a burden but a delight. And, it, and, and I read this. It's, it, one of the Bible commentators said, Meditating has the literal meaning of mumbling to oneself. Who mumbles to themselves? (laughs) Don't admit it, Carla. (laughs) An activity closely related to concentrating on something in order to understand it. Now, if you were standing outside a room, and particularly uh, in the days when I, I was an auto electrician and, and I was trying to you know, nut my, my way through you know, some sort of complex problem that you, you're looking out, I'm sure if you stood back and I was there by myself, you'd probably hear me talk, self, talking to myself. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've checked that one. Now that goes there, and oh, yeah, whoop, but, and, and you know, it's, it's actually, it's, 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 you know, you know that but talking to yourself isn't actually going to make any difference, but it's, it's actually a way of you reinforcing your thinking and articulating what is going on, because when it comes out of your mouth, it, it actually makes sense or it doesn't make sense. Any teachers in the room here? Any sort of teachers? I've got up, Swice is a great teacher, but, but I've done this in, in my years of, of teaching, you know, in this sort of format, where I've thought I've understood something. And you get up to teach it, and you start to explain it, and then you're sort of standing there, making a real mess of it, and you realise you didn't really understand it that well. You see, when something comes out of your mouth, you get whether you get it or not. While, while it's inside your own head, you know, you, you can do all sorts of amazing things in that place. You know, it, it doesn't have to line up. It doesn't have to work. You know, people in their own head think, oh, yeah, there's a few things in my marriage that are not going so well at the moment. It would be good to get some extracurricular activity involved in my marriage and it will make it better. And, and, you know, that starts to work around in your head. But if you speak that out to someone, they'll say, you're an idiot. But it can make sense in your own head because you can justify all sorts of things in your own head. 
And that's why it says, it says meditate on the word. In other words, you think it through and then you start to speak it out and then you find out whether you're straight or whether the truth of God is actually starting to work in your head and coming out through your mouth. Can we be fresh and green in all seasons of life? Of course, there'll be those times that feel dry. There'll be those times that feel tough and hard. My, my lawn was um, looking okay in a lot of parts, but apart from the, the dog pee, it had a few other issues too. It, it had these spots that were just dying. And then the soil was starting to go quite dry and dying. And for those that know a little bit about it, you would understand it was, it was Corby grubs. And these horrible little things, I mean, our God created them, but they, 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 get, they, get, under, they get under and they actually eat the roots of the grass or the plant out from underneath. And then it just dies. And actually it just dies for no reason. It's like you think the lawn's going okay and then all of a sudden you've got this dead patch. You think, I've been putting water on it, I've been putting fertiliser on it, everything's cool, but it's dead. What would actually happen is, is these grubs, they go under there and they start to eat the roots out from underneath. And, and I believe prophetically at the moment that we have got to be on our guard if we're going to live fresh, green and vital against the spiritual Corby grub. Those things that actually come underneath and you don't know that they're there or they're going and, and all of a sudden we've got a whole patch of our life, a whole patch of our church, a whole patch of our family that has actually lost its greenness, its vitality, its life and all of a sudden it's dead and what has actually happened is something has come underneath and eaten the roots out from underneath. And, and I've talked about a whole lot of things this morning that can do that. You know, it can be not getting the life into us. It can be entertaining the wrong conversations. It can be aligning ourselves with influences that take us into that place. And it can be a whole lot of things, but we've got to be aware of the Corby grub. Yeah. And there's a couple of ways that you fix Corby grubs. Um, I, I sorted them out on my lawn fairly quickly. I added chemical and water and it, and it actually fixed them. But, but, but you can actually get rid of them you know, reasonably well without chemical if you put enough water on. And, and, and the, water, the water, it saturates the ground and it gets damp and moist and the, and the grubs come up to the surface and then the birds come along and they eat the grubs. And, and I believe that we're in a season where we've got an enemy who would be wanting to release Corby grubs across your family, across your life, across our church, across our community. What is the answer to the Corby grub in a spiritual sense? It's actually the water. What, what, what is water in the Word of God? It is the Holy Spirit and it is the Word of God that actually pours into those areas and actually brings life and vitality and there will be times when that comes in, it actually exposes and it draws out those things that are underneath and we've got to allow them to go. See, the, the lawn looks a little bit messy before it gets better. 
You know, you've got all these holes in it where the grubs are coming to the surface and that sort of thing. You know, what if when God starts to pour his spirit out on you, there are times it actually gets worse before it gets better. There are times where he's actually doing a work on you and he's starting to draw things out because what's he want to do? He wants to strengthen your roots. He wants to strengthen your resolve and he actually wants to get you on a solid footing. And as Forrest Gump says, that's all I've got to say about that because I'm out of time. (laughs) In the band, join me, please. As I was reading back through this message, I was thinking to myself, it sort of doesn't have any of those exciting bits or any of those real wow factor bits. But I felt it was the word that God wanted to bring. What's the takeaways? For us as a collective body, I believe that we've got to expect the will of God is that we will live fresh and green. We will bear fruit. What's the fruit? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, faithfulness, kindness, long-suffering or stability. Can we live fresh and green in 2020? Can we live fresh and green when there's all sorts of stuff going on? Can we live fresh and green when our world seems more at chaos than perhaps ever I can remember it? And, and, I, and I think there'd be people here that have lived through world wars and, and would say, you know, that, that just the, the, the angst and the feeling around the place is very, very high at the moment. I'm not saying that things are going to go bad but we're, we're in a world where there's a lot going on can we live fresh and green and vital in that world absolutely the righteous will flourish like a palm tree blessed are the people who don't walk in the counsel of wicked don't sit in the seat of mockers but those who meditate on the law allow it to ruminate start to speak the truth out you'll be amazed at what happens